0: living a life of prayer, and we've been looking at steps of prayer. And if you are following the outline that we provide you each week uh, in our weekly uh, newsletter and ministry bulletin, you'll see that we are on prayer path step seven, and we're looking at trusting faith today as we continue along. Matthew 6, the Lord's Prayer, beginning at verse 9. Let's look at this together as we continue to unfold and unpack this framework of prayer that Jesus gives us for our lives. In verse 9, he says, are you there? Matthew 6, verse 9. If you need a Bible, uh, perhaps someone near you will share theirs, or if you don't have a Bible at all and would like one, please let us know. We'd be happy to give you one as a gift. Matthew 6, verse 9, Jesus says, pray then... Like this, our Father in heaven. Would you say that with me? Our Father. Say it again. Our Father. I I just I I think this is pertinent for me to share because I was I was prompted in this while I was preparing this past week for our time together in the Word, and uh, this perhaps is something that that uh, I should have touched on when we looked at this particular verse, Our Father, but perhaps it's timely today. We, we need to understand something about this expression because especially in the day that we are living in and the, the current cultural stream that, that we are in, in our day, and our age, the popular culture around us, This term, our father, is not a sexist term. And it's important that we understand that with all the rhetoric that is is thrown around, especially in these days on this matter. It, it, It wasn't and isn't sexist the way many talk today. The issue that is as much today as it was then when Jesus spoke these words, is that father, that term, that expression, father. Say it again with me, will you? Father. It evokes a kind of paternalism or male authority that creates problems in understanding what God is really like in the Bible. In our day. In Jesus' day, it did this too. But in our day, especially, the day that we live in today. We, we, we are in need of sensitivity training here. And this is just a free footnote that I'm giving you today around this. I think it's important that we understand this. We've got to understand both what fatherhood looked like in the ancient world... And what fatherhood evokes today in our lives. In the ancient world, fatherhood was characterized by a combination of both intimacy and authority. Intimacy and authority. Would you say that with me? Intimacy and authority. In the ancient world, fatherhood was understood that way. But where authority could be unquestioned. And today, fatherhood also evokes unquestioned authority, but with an abusive authoritarian quality to it. We prayed earlier for the women in Pakistan and domestic violence that happens there. It's a good example of what we're talking about. Unquestioned authority, but the intimacy factor is not there. In Jesus' day, in the ancient world, authority was considered to be unquestionable, but it was also understood in terms of intimacy as well. There was an intimacy between the father and his children. And though the authority was there, it was clear And it was understood to be unquestioned, there was an incredible intimacy factor that brought balance and wholeness to that. So though there were times where the children may not have always understood why the father was laying down certain guidelines or expectations in the household there was a trust and a confidence that was there in the authority of their father because of the intimacy of relationship that was in place. You tracking with me? I'm not talking about a dictatorship here, a cold authoritarianism. There, uh, authority was understood and it was respected and it was unquestioned, but it was also laced with an intimacy that brought a trust and a confidence and a security But today, we have the one element of that. We still have this unquestioned authority element. But rather than the intimacy, we have an abusive authoritarianism. I don't think any term and family language is at the heart of the biblical vision of God. You need to understand that. Family language is at the heart of the biblical vision of God. And I don't think any term will escape the problems of misuse and abuse today, any family term. Especially in this day where there's so much empty, destructive, volatile rhetoric that's thrown around. We hear it on the television and on the newscasts and during election season and all that kind of stuff. We 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 know this. When it comes to family language, family language doesn't escape this in our day. The teacher of scripture is called to teach what the Bible says. As a teacher and a preacher of the scriptures, which is my mandate and my calling. I am called to teach and preach what the Bible says, to apply it ruthlessly against such misuses and abuses as we're talking about in this conversation, and at the same time embody a godly fatherliness or motherliness so that children can both see the Bible's vision and experience the intended love and intimacy of the family. How many are tracking with me? The biblical worldview of the family is very different from what we see so much of today. As it concerns mothers and fathers. And so, so this approach, in other words, calls into question many cheap and distorted authoritarian views of parenting in our world and draws us to reform society, reform our culture, push push back in a countercultural way on the basis of what God is truly like. So I want to urge us today as we say the, this prayer to our Father in Heaven as we say it again as we've been doing every week, I want to urge us as a people of the Spirit to double our efforts to restore what Father means and to embody it in our world so that the day will come when the term Father will never evoke destructive, abusive, or authoritarian behaviors as we see demonstrated today. And for some of us, that hits closer to home than others because we struggle in our own relationship with our fathers. And that carries over into our perspective of God as Father. May the Holy Spirit move and work in our hearts and lives in powerful healing, restoring reconciling ways that we may then come to understand who the Father really is, our Heavenly Father, and that we might demonstrate that in the world around us. Yeah? Amen? How many, how many would, would say, yeah, I want to I believe for that in my life and in our lives together. So, there's that just a little extra for you. Our Father in Heaven, hallowed be Your name. Holy is Your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. We've been unpacking all of these different phrases from week to week. And if you've missed a week, you can get the messages. And forgive us our debts, as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Now, Matthew does not include the portion that we're looking at today, the doxology that we see on this prayer uh, in, in the other Gospels. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Would you say that with me? For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Our study of the Lord's Prayer concludes with this doxology. Yours be the glory. Yours is the power forever. These words of trusting faith. That's what we're looking at today. Trusting faith. We've been looking at the different dimensions, the different facets of our faith as we've unpacked each of these phrases. And this morning, it's trusting faith. And here is the act of expression Of a heart that has absolute assurance of the complete triumph of God in His time. In His time. Turn in your Bibles with me, if you will, to Acts chapter 6. Or Acts chapter 1, rather, verse 6 and 7. Forgive me. Acts chapter 1 verse 6 and 7. It's on the screen for us as well, but I encourage you to turn there. I think these words of Jesus to his first disciples will give us additional insight into these words of the Lord's Prayer. Yours be the power. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever. Read them with me. They're on the screen. Lift your voices, would you, and declare these words. So when they had come together, they asked Him, Lord, will You at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, It is not for you to know the times or seasons that the Father has fixed by His own authority. We're looking at trusting faith. Trusting faith. The active expression of our hearts that have absolute assurance that the complete triumph of God will come in His time. The disciples here are saying, "Lord, are you? Is this about to happen? Are you going to do this? Is this is this what's going on? Is this what you're saying?" And Jesus spoke these words. He had this conversation with his first disciples following his resurrection. As he was giving final instructions to his disciples before his ascension. He'd been explaining principles of the kingdom of God. And the disciples had gotten confused as they often did. They were much like you and me. And in light of what Jesus was teaching and with the facts of the crucifixion and the resurrection behind them. Jesus' disciples inquired just When, Jesus, just when will the kingdom finally come? They probably felt sure that the time must be ripe for the messianic kingdom to be established. Surely now was the time for Israel to be liberated from Roman oppression. But they still weren't getting it. They still weren't getting the The truth of the words even of this doxology, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. And as I already drew your attention to and as you yourself see in your own Bibles, while this familiar doxology does not appear in some of the the best and earliest second century biblical manuscripts that our Scriptures are established from, It was nonetheless in use in worship by congregations very early in the church and over a wide area. It was probably this, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power. It was probably a responsive expression of congregations during times of prayer and worship. Whether it or something like it goes back to the time of Jesus' ministry, we cannot be sure of that. That's why Matthew does not expressly have it included, but we see it included in, in the, the other Gospel writers. And the words are drawn, it appears, from King David's congregational prayer. If you look at 1 Chronicles 29, verses 11-13, to 13, you will see words very similar to these words there. And then later it was included. The doxology added to the Lord's Prayer. It's a public prayer. And it was gradually added to the New Testament itself by those who had written later than the time of Jesus and later than the time of the writing of the Gospel of Matthew. So it's not really something there that we, we need to question a whole lot about other than, oh, that's interesting. Matthew doesn't include it, but the other Gospel writers too. It's still a very legitimate conclusion to this prayer. Very much a part of the canon of Scripture. The disciples weren't understanding these words, though. They weren't understanding what Jesus was teaching in them and in these words that he shares with them in the book of Acts that are related. They still weren't understanding the nature of God's kingdom. Jesus, is it, is it, are you saying, this is it? Like, you're going to overthrow Rome and it's going to happen, right? And Jesus says, it's not up to you to know the times and the seasons. The Father establishes those things. He patiently replies to them that it wasn't for them to know when His kingdom would be fully established. He wasn't stalling them. He wasn't being dismissive with them. Nor was He denying the ultimate consummation and establishment of His kingdom someday. But what Jesus was seeking to do with his first disciples, and what he seeks to do with us in our thinking as well today, is to redirect our thoughts in order to renew our understanding. Because that's what brings transformation in our lives. Be transformed. How? Paul says, by the renewing of your minds. In fact, the issue of the kingdom's coming with power is asserted in, in Jesus' very next words in verse 8 of Acts chapter 1. If you still have that open, look at it. It's on the screen for us as well. Let's read them together. Acts 1 verse 8. Lift your voices nice and loud. But I promise you this the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and you will be seized with power, and you will be my messengers to Jerusalem throughout Judea the distant provinces and even to the remotest places on earth. So he says that they say Jesus is this it is your king is this is this the time and Jesus says it's not up for you to know the when. That's for my father to take care of. Our heavenly father will take care of that. But I will tell you this he says. fact, I'll promise you this. The Holy Spirit will come upon you. In other words, the Holy Spirit will come and empower you in my kingdom because the kingdom is within you. The kingdom, yes, is yet to fully come, but the kingdom is also right now. So there is this now but not yet tension. That we see in Jesus' words about His kingdom and Jesus' teaching about His kingdom. And the Holy Spirit's going to empower you. And and we don't know, only My Father knows when this kingdom is going to be fully established and consummated in the earth. But the kingdom is also now. And so for you to carry out the nowness of My kingdom, you need the Holy Spirit. And so I promise you the Holy Spirit will come and baptize you and fill you and make you the people of the Spirit that you are called to be, that you may carry the message of my kingdom, my Father's kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom throughout all the earth, even to the remotest places of the earth. He was showing them that God's kingdom required the Holy Spirit to come with the mission to work the spread of the good news of the kingdom through them, not the completion of the kingdom for them, right then and there. But they were to be messengers of the kingdom wherever they went. You and I are to be messengers as followers of His, as people of the Spirit, we are to be messengers of His kingdom, the good news of His kingdom, wherever we go. In the workplace, in our neighborhoods, in our families, in the seasons and circumstances that we may be facing right now. Sensitively being messengers of His kingdom in the midst of that. Perhaps... In things we say, perhaps not in things we say, perhaps in just how we live and the care and the compassion that we bring in the midst of whatever the circumstances might be. This conversation between Jesus and His disciples that we are studying here with Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit's power in relation to the timing of His kingdom This can help us understand the meaning of the concluding phrase here of the Lord's Prayer. This doxology that we're looking at. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. We can see that Jesus was teaching the pathway here to truth. To the knowledge that when we have prayed in faith... in trusting faith we can rest firm in our confidence that god has heard he has heard you he has heard us and in his grace and by his spirit he will attend to all the issues That we have brought to him. And even when we don't see our own timing in the answer, his purposes are not being lost. Consider these words Yours is the kingdom. Say it with me. Yours is the kingdom. For many these words seem to point to the future. For the first disciples they certainly were in this conversation they were having with Jesus in, in the in Acts chapter one. You know, to going to heaven someday. Is this is this it? Like is for us today, especially this is, a, this is how we frame this phrase, right? Here. When we hear these words, yours, the, that's what we think of. Well, that's talking about going to heaven someday. But that's not what Jesus taught. Jesus taught very clearly that in certain respects, the presence and the power of his kingdom has broken into the earth now. Right now. Yes, there is the fullness of it to come. And the disciples thought that this was it. And Jesus said, that's not for you to know. My Father knows that. That's His business. Your business is to understand what is the kingdom now. Breaking in now, in this moment, in this age. They are given to us now. Certain respects of the presence and power of God's kingdom. Listen to these words of Jesus in Luke chapter 12. In fact, they're on the screen. Luke chapter 12. Read them with me. Oh, I think we're ahead of ourselves a little bit here. Melissa, if you can go back to the Luke chapter 12 slide. Luke 12 and verse 32 is what you're looking for. Jesus says these words, So don't ever be afraid, dearest friends. Your loving Father joyously gives you His kingdom realm with all of its promises. He gives it to you now is what Jesus was Pressing to them. Yes, there is the fullness of it yet to come, but there's a right now dimension of my kingdom that the Father is giving to you right now. You see, although we won't experience the fullest expression of His kingdom until He comes again, we mustn't diminish. Please hear this, beloved. We mustn't diminish the fact that this prayer... The Lord's Prayer that we are, many of us, so familiar with. This prayer is dealing with God's rule and reigning power impacting situations now. Right now. In your life. In my life. In the life of this congregation. Our lives and our journey together. Wherever the Spirit is given room and allowed to work, the kingdom comes. I'll say that again. Wherever the Spirit is given room to work, the kingdom comes. In your life. In my life. In our lives together. Wherever He is given room and allowed to work, The kingdom of God comes now. Not in heaven someday. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the purposes and presence and intention and power of God's kingdom in our midst, breaking into our now. So when we say, Lord, yours is the kingdom, yours is the power... And we're praying that and we're in the midst of whatever circumstances we're dealing with, we're faced with in this moment. We're saying, Lord, yours is the kingdom. Yours is the rule and reign and the power. Yours right now. We welcome that presence. The presence, the power, the person of King Jesus. We welcome him in all his rule and reign and intention and desire and purpose into this situation right now. It's yours. Are you seeing this? Yours is the kingdom. Say it again with me. Yours is the kingdom. So here at prayer, Jesus is reminding us that such privileged participation in the power of His kingdom life has terms. We are called to humble ourselves and to submit to God's rule in our lives. If you bow low, humbling yourself in God's awesome presence. Is it on the screen for us here? Yeah, it is. Declare this together with me, will you? If you bow low, humbling yourself in God's awesome presence, He will eventually exalt you, lifting you up as you leave the timing in His hands. You see, our understanding and our concept of liberty and freedom in our lives today is so distorted and skewed. We we define it as something that has... We, we have no constraints. We have no boundaries. I'm free in Jesus. That means I'm free to do whatever I want to do. And, and that's, not, that's not the idea at all. We come to learn in Christ that the very parameters and framework and guidelines and boundaries that He seeks to establish for our freedom are life-giving. They're meant to bring life to us and to bring protection and to cover us. And so when we recognize that and we bow low to it and we humble ourselves in God's awesome presence, He then exalts us, lifting us up. And as we leave the timing of things to Him, we relinquish control and we leave the timing to him yours is the kingdom yours is the power and the glory this is this is genuine trusting faith the power and the glory yours is the kingdom yours is the power yours is the glory the first factor in developing a trusting faith we see here is humbly learning that the rule the power and the glory are god's not yours not mine his It's a powerful message here for our lives. He will have the glory and the power and the rule and reign in our lives and every aspect of our lives as we submit to his rule and reign, as we bow low and humble ourselves under his rule and reign. there's There's a powerful message here for us, for me even, as I have been meditating upon this, even in the area of our parenting. God will have the glory with our children. God will have the power. God's kingdom will be established, but it will be done on His terms and for His glory and in His timing. This has been a hard lesson for me. A hard lesson for I still wrestle with this when it comes to parenting I'm talking about. I'm learning that my children are not putty in my hands. I'm learning that I must leave them in the grace of God. Of course, we do all that we are called to do as parents to raise our children in the ways of the Lord, to teach them, to guide them. But we can't, beloved, especially when it comes to the later years of their lives. I have two older children. Some of you may not know that. You may not have met them. You see our younger children here. But I have two older children, and they are at a season in their lives where I can no longer... I can't parent them the same way I parent my younger children. And there comes a time where I must let them go. And it's hard, isn't it? How I do mean, you know what I'm talking about. It's hard when you see your children doing things or making decisions and you, you just, I don't know about that. And it's not necessarily a bad decision. It's not necessarily a destructive decision in their lives. It's just a decision that you're just not, you don't know whether you're comfortable with that. And so you can't, I can't be helicopter parenting them. I have to leave them in the hands of God's grace and trust, trusting faith. Are you seeing this? Of course, if they come and they seek they're seeking out my input or counsel or thoughts or well, I'm gonna I, you know, I I will give that, but I, I can't be chasing them down and 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 smothering their lives that way. I have to trust. There's there's a great lesson in this for us. In, for our lives as parents, as husbands and wives, as, as, as professionals in the in the marketplace, whatever the case, but there is a dimension of our lives to where we have to say, Lord, I've done all I can do. I've endeavored to be faithful. I, I, I know I'm not perfect and, and, I, and, and, and I've, I've done my best and I've endeavored to, but I, I realize that I... Yours now is the kingdom and the power and the glory. This is, I have to trust you in this. The rule and the power and the glory are His, not mine. Not so that I can boast about my kids. Of course, we're proud as parents. But what I mean to say is, I cannot boast that 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 the righteousness of god in my children is due to my perfect parenting thank you very much because even perfect parenting does not produce perfect children just just look at adam and eve you don't get a much better father than god And yet God gave them the freedom to go their own way and to make their own choices. He didn't hover over them. He could have. He could have controlled the whole situation and made it happen just the way it, it, you know, but he didn't. We've got to trust. We've got to relinquish control to Him in whatever it is. I talked about parenting. Whatever it is in our lives, it could be a situation at work. It could be a matter to do with the new business that we're trying to get off the ground. It could be a matter to do with a with a relative. It could be a matter to do with a relationship here in this congregation. Whatever it is, there comes a point where we have to say, Father, I've endeavored to do all that I believe you've called me to do in your grace and your goodness and with kindness and demonstrating the fruit of the Spirit, but I, I'm trust, I have to trust you now. Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Let it come into this situation. Come into this life. James tells us. Say his words with me. I believe they're on the screen. James 4, verse 7. So then, humble yourselves. Submit and surrender to God. Stand up to the devil and resist him and he will turn and run away from you. He gives us power. Of course He does. He allows and invites us to share with Him in kingdom partnership But beloved, he is Lord. He is Lord. Not David is Lord, or Gord is Lord, or Bob is Lord, or Sarah is Lord, or whatever your name is. It's not you are, he is Lord. He invites us to share in partnership with him in this kingdom enterprise of his, but he is Lord, he is King. We must trust Him. We must surrender to Him. We must submit to Him. We must humble ourselves under His Lordship in our lives. And submission and humility are the, are, that's, those are the prerequisites to sharing God's authority. Satan will turn and run from the believing Christ follower, the people of the Spirit who have learned the truth Of yours is the power, yours is the kingdom, yours is the glory. Trusting faith is ever and always challenging the status quo where evil reigns. Because the adversary would seek to cause us to fret, to become anxious in matters of life and work and parenting, and whatever it might be. He, he wants to make us anxious and make us at unrest, make us fret, make us fury. But the weapon against that is trusting faith. Faith that trusts Him and His Lordship. It challenges that status quo. How many know we all can fret? Fretting, anybody can do that. We're all good at that. That's that's status quo. Becoming anxious, fury, we're all good at that. That's status quo. But trusting faith challenges that. challenges that status quo where evil reigns, where pain and sickness prevail, where hatred and hellishness rule, or where human failure breeds confusion and injustice. As we learn to live under the Holy Spirit's rule, we will be able to to take a bold, confident, confident, confrontive stance against all in opposition to that rule whether demon or flesh or earthly circumstance we stand in trust And faith in our God, our King Jesus, who is ruling. Lord, I see in the natural what's happening here, and that could cause me to become anxious and to fret and to fury and to worry. But instead, I'm not going to give myself to that because that's status quo. That's what the adversary would have me do. That's of His hellish agenda against me. Instead of giving myself and giving into that, I'm going to instead stand in trusting faith that You are Lord and You are King and You are ruling and reigning over this whole matter and this whole life and this whole situation. Yours is the glory. Yours is the power. Yours is the kingdom here. Such a posture and such a stance says, I rely upon the one who claims ultimate and final rule everywhere and in every situation. I won't give way to any lie that attempts to cast doubt on God's ultimate and complete victory and purpose and plan. Hello? You have situations in mind right now as you're hearing these words. You have circumstances. You have people. You have sons and daughters, perhaps, relatives, family members, all in mind as you see, hear these words. I, Lord, I'm going to rely on you, the one who claims ultimate and final rule everywhere. I'm not going to try to control this situation myself. I'm not going to try to manipulate this circumstance. I'm not going to to give myself to that. That's not trusting faith. I'm going to trust you who rules and reigns over it all. Yours is the kingdom, the power, and the glory. Hello? I don't know if I'm preaching to anybody in this room, but I'm certainly preaching to myself today. If you don't need this, I surely do. And when we do this, we will often see results that would not have been realized without this kind of kingdom praying and trusting. We'll see results that I could have never brought about. Hello? Sorry to break the news, but God's better at working things out than you are. Than I am. I'm pretty sure I've tried to fix them myself and I just make a mess of it, or a worse mess than it already is. But what happens when we don't see any results? Or we don't see the results we want to see? Is that a good question to ask? You never ask that question. Am I just asking that question? I'm feeling all alone up here all of a sudden. What happens when we don't see, or at least we don't, we're not seeing the results we want to see. Come on, God. Yours is the kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. This is not looking like I want it to look. What then? And the inquiry of Jesus' first disciples echoes from our lips too. When will the kingdom finally come in this matter, in this situation? And in answer to this question, Jesus teaches us to pray these words. Yours is the kingdom. Yours, not mine. Yours. He's leading us to realize that even though answers may not yet fully appear, two things come from trusting faith. Or if they are appearing, they don't seem to be appearing the way I want them to appear. They're not packaged the way I thought they would be packaged. They don't look the way I thought they'd look. He leads us to realize in these situations two things from trusting faith. Number one, the knowledge that the ultimate triumph of God's manifest power will come according to His timing and His way, and His will. And the assurance that until that time, He has given us His Spirit to enable us to carry on and to do His will. Here is our fortress, beloved. Here is our fortress of confidence. Though time may pass without our seeing victory as we would interpret it, We know and we pray with praise that we have not been deserted or abandoned or forsaken. God's Holy Spirit brings us His presence and power right now for whatever circumstances we encounter. There will be times when we will see God's kingdom power in action with healings and miracles and provision and deliverance or whatever the case might be, you fill in the blank. We'll see it in our lives. But there will also be times the Lord simply says, Trust me. Trust me. But God, it's not, I don't, I'm not seeing that. It's not looking. I mean, you just look what's happening. It's a trust me. But God, I just, I don't, I mean, look what's going on. I mean, what are we going to, what God, what am I going to do? Trust me. Hear the word of the Lord. Trust me. Turn to somebody and tell them, trust him. You can trust him. We can trust him. The time is not yet. Things may not look the way you think they should look. May not be coming about the way you think it. Trust me, in the meantime, the power of my Spirit will strengthen you and sustain you and comfort you and guide you. People of the Spirit, great power and privilege are given to us, His church, His people. Nothing will be impossible for you, says King Jesus. Yet, as certain as the promise and possibilities are, we must humbly and honestly acknowledge that there are times when we seem unable to possess the promise. And such acknowledgments are not statements of doubt. Nor are they cases of God's refusing to grant us an answer to fulfill His Word. But even when we do wrestle with doubt, God can handle that. He can handle your doubt and my doubt. But we are reminded that He is the Sovereign One. We are reminded to feed our trusting faith in Him. God's promises are true and His Word is faithful, but the kingdom timing, the kingdom way, the kingdom working is His too. And so are the ultimate power and the glory. When we conclude the Lord's Prayer with these words, yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. Say it with me again, will you? Yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory. We aren't being either passive or merely poetic and sentimental. We are reflecting and confessing the power of trusting faith faith that stands in firm confidence regardless of circumstances and in spite of doubt. Such faith declares, Lord, to you belongs all kingdom authority for you are the possessor of all. You are the creator of all. And as I gain that kingdom step by step, a portion at a time, I trust you for the kingdom is yours. Beloved, there's no greater grounds for rest and for peace and for contentment in life than the certainty that is wrapped up in these words, Yours is the kingdom. All rule belongs to You. Yours is the power. Almightiness flows from You. Yours is the glory. His victory, Your victory, Lord, shall be complete. With this kind of prayer comes boldness and confidence and comfort and peace and rest. Couldn't you use some of that in your life right now? In him we find confidence that our every need will be met. Our ultimate breakthrough and victory will be realized in his time according to his ways by his purpose and for his glory. All things will resolve unto his wisest, his richest, and his best. So then, let's now and ever always join the angelic throng that stands around his throne and fills this very room, who worship him without ceasing day and night around his throne, Let's join in with that chorus uniting our concert of prayer and praise with theirs saying holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was, who is, who is to come. Yeah? Would you stand with me in this place as Frank and the team come? Trusting faith. Trusting faith. I believe among many things that the Holy Spirit may be speaking to you right now in this moment as you give your ears to hear what He's saying to you. And I encourage you to do that. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What are you desiring to speak to me in this today, Your Word? Among all of those things, He's calling us to trusting faith, to relinquish control, not become passive, not become indifferent. That's not what we're talking about. Faithful to all that he's called us to do and to be in him, but realizing that at the end of the day, we must entrust it all to his grace and his kingdom and his power and his glory. What's he trying to show you that looks like for you? I know how he's been speaking to me and dealing with my heart through this, even even throughout the course of this week, as I've been preparing and meditating on these words, but also as I have participated in other meetings and conversations that I've had, how the tapestry of the Holy Spirit has been woven together for me this week in this message. What's he saying to you? What is he calling you to turn over to him, to trust him with? What are you fretting about right now? What are you anxious about? What are you furying about? What are what what is it? And 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 the Lord is saying, trust me. Just trust me. But Lord, is it now? Is it like isn't isn't this what you want to do? Is this it? Is it the it's not, it's, that's, that's the Father's business. Here's what you're to do. Trust me. Trust me. Live as a person of the Spirit and trust me. Live as people of the Spirit in trusting faith. So, can I invite you to just take whatever that is, to gather that up, whatever it is, that situation, that circumstance, the thought, the care, the concern. What it Can you gather that up in your heart and mind right now in your hands as it were and just submit it to Him and humble yourself? You see where the humbling comes in here? You see where the humility comes? Humbling ourselves under the hand of His kingdom and His power and His glory and saying, Lord, I repent of the pride of, And the arrogance of thinking that I can handle this better than you can. That I can do this better than you can. Instead, I submit to your kingdom. Yours is the power. Yours is the glory. Yours is the kingdom. And I give myself to trust you. To trust you regarding that matter at work. To trust you regarding my family, my children, the business that I believe you've called me to start, the vocation that I believe you're leading me towards. That situation with my neighbor, I trust you. Whatever it is, loved one, gather it up and place it before him, humbling ourselves under his mighty hand and knowing that as we do, He will lift us up in the power and the glory of His kingdom, which is His and which we are meant to share with Him. Hallelujah. Would you do that now? Would you just submit those things to Him? Take a moment, would you? Before we we lift our voices in song, would you just submit those to Him right now? Give them over to Him. Maybe for you, it's your life. You've never made a surrender to Christ, as Savior and King. And Lord, and you say, Lord, I'm giving you my life. I'm trusting you now. Be my Savior, my Lord, my King. I want to follow you. I want to walk with you. I want to live the fullness of life that I am meant to know in you, to be a person of you, the Spirit, to be a person of your kingdom, to be a messenger of your kingdom. I give you my life. Whatever it is, let's give it over to him.